Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. So glad to have you here with us today. Uh, I'm Tim Stein, and I'm joined today with my friends Dan Drake, Wendy Conquest, and Jeannie Vittoni. Um, I'm laughing because that's the fourth time that I have done that intro, um, but finally got it right. And following on that, we are thrilled today to have the Rabsmiths, Matthew and Joanna Rabsmith, are joining us for a conversation today. They wrote a book uh, with our own Dan Drake, and we are looking forward to talking about the book and their work, uh, maybe getting a little bit more into Dan's work uh, and finding out what all that's about. The book, um, which I think can be found most places, or is it just uh, Amazon? Um, I think it can be found most places. It's called nope. Building True Intimacy. And if you want to read the fine print under that, creating a connection that stands the test of time. So, Dan, this is book you wrote, and you get to interview your co-authors. What are you excited about? I'm excited. I, I'm just excited to talk about it. It's been a while since we, we haven't had them on before, so I'm just excited to, to hear kind of their take on it and the, the process. It's been a, a, a labor of love for many years, actually, that we were working on this thing. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just excited to see where it goes. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing their perspective on you, quite honestly. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, Jeannie, what, what are you guys looking forward to today? Well, I um, so I read the book. I, I had the opportunity to read the book before it went to print. And um, I was so impressed at how they present uh, couples dynamics and how to work with different difficulties in coupleships. It was very refreshing. It was, it has a lot of new perspective. There's a lot of, uh, what do I say, advice for couples on what to do and what not to do and how to manage a relationship. And they just had a very fresh uh, perspective that I really appreciated. For me, I think Joanna and Matthew are such fun people that I always enjoy chatting with them. And so to bring the three authors together to talk about this book, and I do think this book is uh, easy to read, clear, helpful, and I, I think both people in the coupleship can read it together and it becomes a really good dialogue. Um, but I just enjoy Matthew and, and Joanna. So I say, let's bring them out. And let's start talking. Yeah, I, I will piggyback on that. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I mean, the four of us always have so much fun together and we really enjoy Joanna and, Rap and Matthew. So I am expecting that this is going to be a fun interview. I hope it's informative as well, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be fun. Uh, Matthew, Joanna, you want to go ahead and join us? Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> Welcome. No pressure. It's got to be fun. Okay. <laughs> it's be a got it. Fun. We'll write that down. So just yeah. highlighting for people, um, Matthew and Joanna mostly work online. You can find them at rabsmithteam.com. Now this is important. Rabsmith is spelled R-A-A-B-S-M-I-T-H team.com. And uh, they do a lot of work with couples. And for some reason, they decided to write a book with Dan. <laughs> So tell us the story of how this book came to be, guys, and and what was the passion behind it? Yeah, yeah um, tell us the story. I'll try to for that story. Um, it was interesting because the the kind of genesis of it was Joanna was actually on staff with Dan at Banyan, mm -hmm. and um, we were 
signed up to give a talk in San Diego on intimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were about two days out and we had nothing to present. And <laughs> started yet. And and in their consultation group, I think with Dan, he kind of he he wrote out this intimacy pyramid kind of concept that he was thinking about this kind of initial framework. And Joanna jotted down the note and I think asked him, hey, can we use this and and use it in a talk? And mm -hmm. so we that weekend actually took the pyramid, started talking about it, mm -hmm. um, kind of came back to Dan and said, This we love it. And the response mm -hmm. from people was great. You know, where do we want this to go? Mm -hmm. um, that then took six years to become <laughs> a book. Yes. <laughs> I think we we thought about a book, maybe. I don't know. We had never written. So it was kind of like iffy if we were really going to do that. We kept, kept presenting it though at conferences and sharing it with people. And everyone kept asking, When's the book coming out? <laughs> And so we finally figured out, oh, yeah, we probably should do that. Yeah. So once Dan got through all of his other really important things that he was doing, he got back to us, <laughs> said, hey, let's do this. Right. And so it was it was really fun seeing it kind of come together. And it was yeah. in some ways that time really did help us flesh it out. I think, yeah. you know, it helped us kind of take um, a very simple framework and think about, okay, what do we do to continue to build kind of a robust understanding of the couple's journey that, that really does have these core components, but has so much more to it. And yeah. so that time literally let us do that. It let us get feedback from other, you know, authors and thinkers and clinicians and, mm -hmm. and folks that we've had the privilege to kind of work Using with it. over the years. So, um, well, let's, let's talk about that simple framework. Cause my understanding, this is based on Maslow's hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a as a structure. So what is the basic framework for uh, this guide to intimacy? And can yeah. I just ask, is this for all couples or couples with uh, with sex addiction? Is there a distinction? Yeah, I want to. Yeah, so oh, go, go, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jenna. One of the things we loved is as we were, you know, it came out of our work with couples who have been through betrayal. But the more and more we started using it, the more and more we realized, oh, this is just how you build healthy relationship, period, <laughs> right? And the couples who have been through betrayal are really motivated to learn how to build healthy relationship, right? But we use it with every single couple we work with in our office. And, and we wrote the book to hopefully be accessible for every couple out there so they can learn those, those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and the what are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I hadn't even thought, I was, I was only thinking, you know, betrayal you know betrayal healing that was where the thinking came for this this model and to begin with it was them i mean they they thought well i think this is a framework that any couple could benefit from and so i appreciate you guys you know like oh yeah that that actually i could see it i think it's foundational for any couple we take some of this stuff for granted but i think you know any couple can benefit from it so that was helpful from from you guys yeah and the framework's, yeah, the framework's pretty straightforward. This idea of intimacy is the goal, right? That a couple who's decided to be in a relationship, you know, that they want to figure out what does it look like for two people to share something together, right? And to share this kind of sense of, of oneness and connection, right? While, while still staying themselves, right? Just being being able to be myself, but also be in relationship. How do we get there? Um, and so we started kind of conceptualizing what are the pieces that have to fall into place, right? For two people to be together, there needs to be vulnerability. There's risk involved, right? I'm going to lean in and not just kind of stay out and self-protect. And so that vulnerability is really kind of that, that piece right under intimacy, right? That to get to that oneness, we have to risk. But if we want vulnerability, 
that's easier said than done, right? I, to, to, to really be vulnerable, I need to be able to trust. I need to be able to trust the relationship. I need to be able to trust the partner. And, and for what we know, for those of us who work with these betrayal cases, that's really where things broke down, right? The lies, the, the hiddenness, the, the duplicity is where that trust was shattered. And so if they're going to get to that place they're desiring to be, they have to figure out how to rebuild that trust and to do that means there's going to be some things that they have to, to, to put back. One is safety, right? The relationship has to be safe again, right? It has to be a place that they know that their partner is consistently showing up in healthy, constructive ways. That's going to allow trust to kind of get restored. Um, and, and I think what Dan did so wisely when they were thinking about full disclosure and they were thinking about the kind of start of the process is, well, this all fell apart because of the lies, right? This all fell apart because of the duplicity. And so if we're going to have safety, we have to have honesty. And that's really kind of where the framework came together was mm -hmm. if we're starting over for a couple, we've mm -hmm. got to start with honesty, then we work on safety, we work on trust, vulnerability, that gets us to that place of intimacy we're really desiring. One thing to say on that, um, and I appreciate it, you guys helped me think through this differently. In my original framework, which you will see if you if you have used um, Janice Cottle and I's disclosure workbooks, the, the pyramid is in there, but you'll see at the base it says truth and not honesty. And my original framework was truth. And, and you guys helped me think like, well, it's not just truth. We're not just, just restoring truth. That, that is part of restoring truth, but that comes through honesty. The honesty is a, an active process that, that we do. Truth is this external thing. So I, I think we put, we put honesty at the base of the pyramid instead of truth for that reason, which I think is, I think is a good, good move. I wanted to ask about, so the way that um, the book is framed for those who haven't yet purchased it it talks about these five building blocks and what are they and how do you build it? So what is honesty? How do you build honesty? And I, I felt like it was a really great roadmap. Did you, was that purposeful? Try to make it very clear so that it's easily consumable or was this just your style of writing? Was there a, a thought process, a planning about that? Or because um, again, it was like, what is it? How do you do it? What yeah. is it? How do you do it? And it's this beautiful recipe, which, you know, then is magical at the top. <laughs> yeah, I think we were really lucky because we have great clients who ask good questions. And the I think a lot of the things that came out of the book were our opportunity to work with couples who went, yeah, great. But how the heck do I do that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. you know, because we we would show them the pyramid and they'd go, love it. Let's great. do it. Right. And then they would kind of go, but if wow. we knew how to be honest, we would have already been honest, right? We would have yeah. we'd have already done this a long time ago. And so I think that's really where we had so much fun fleshing it out is going, yeah, like great concept. What's that look like? Mm -hmm. And and what did that look like when I've spent a lifetime? I know, you know, as a betraying spouse myself, as someone who works with betraying spouses, I spent a lifetime learning to lie, learning to hide, learning to deceive and to and to be, you know, to kind of operate in those shadows. So there's got to be a lot of process of re-education. Yeah. And I think one of the things that was fun for me was to think about kind of the bigger category and go, what are people missing, right? When I say honesty, 
I think I mean something very different than a lot of people are hearing when they think honesty, right? A lot of times they think, well, there's no active deception happening anymore, right? And I'm going, well, but there's no self-awareness. So this relationship isn't going to feel honest and open if you can't share what's really going on with you because you don't know, right? And so thinking through how do we help people understand these levels like Matthew's saying like what is this when we say honesty when we say safety trust vulnerability these are big concepts and you know we couldn't cover everything in the book but I think one of the things I was focused on are what are the pieces that maybe sometimes get missed and so people get really stuck right if you don't understand emotional regulation and you're wondering why do we still feel unsafe with each other and we're constantly getting dysregulated and creating disconnection, right? Yeah, you are going to get really stuck. And so thinking through that, I think was was really helpful and really fun. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate in the book that you shared some of your personal stories. And and I think that that's powerful because as you're as you're sharing your personal stories of challenge and struggle and sort of falling short, but at the same time, I mean, you guys are such a strong couple. I I, I know you, I've chatted with you that, you know, and, and what, what comes forward for me is how beautiful that is to be able to say, here's where it was a struggle. And this is where we're at now, which offers hope that, yeah, yeah things can change. Because we know that this work is, this is not for the faint of heart, that this, this, and, 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 and it's going to take time and it's going to take patience and it's going to take energy and focus. But there's hope. You can get there. I, I really appreciate that you guys are willing to do that. Yeah, there, there is. We thought instead of just providing a you know textbook or something, we really did want to make it vulnerable. I found myself there are plenty of times I'm like, oh, I don't want to say something because I'm embarrassed or I feel. And it's like, but I can't. If we're trying to talk about vulnerability, I have to at least I have to I have to put it out there. So I was like, how many of those? I just feel. I felt so stupid with some of it, but I was like, I think, I think it's human and and we all, we all have, we, so anyway, we wanted to model vulnerability as much as we could through it. Yeah. So that was not easy, but I think it was, I know it was really important for me because then I could connect to the material differently too. Yeah. And I think it matters for people to know, like, this is the model we're using <laughs> in our relationship, right? And, and here's how it's working. And, yeah. and we're not perfect. And we don't expect to ever be perfect, right? You know, we still have moments of disconnection where safety is breaking down and we're having to repair and rebuild. And I, I think the more we're even honest about that offers hope for couples. Like the, the goal is not this perfect intimacy that's never marred by misunderstandings anymore, right? Um, it's, it's a very realistic picture, hopefully, as well. Matthew, I thought you were giving her a, a dirty look as she was saying that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was what? attentively listening to my spouse. You are. <laughs> I, I, but I was thinking about what you said there, Joanna, is, and the part of, you know, because you don't reach the top of the pyramid and you're done. Yeah. Right. Right. There's no done here because no, no. relationships just naturally don't have that. Yeah. Relationships are, are a living organism in their own way. Yeah. And so sometimes things are smooth and sometimes they're not. And what are some tools that we can use as we ebb and flow in these different experiences or seasons? But like you said, like we're living, sometimes things are great and sometimes they're not. And then we use our tools. Yes. A hundred percent. So what's really fun is as you build up, you realize, oh, now we get to go back to honesty and it looks different now. 
right? Mm -hmm. And safety looks different now, right? And we're continually working on all of the levels kind of at the same time. Mm -hmm. One thing I've, I've, I thought was a good sign was, I mean, we wrote this over a number of years. So when we finally put it all together and I was reading through it kind of for review, as I was reading, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I should do that. I need to do that more in my relationship. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good reminder. So I, even as, I mean, we wrote the book and I still am like, oh yeah, I, I could do that better. I can really work on this more. And I thought that's a pretty good sign. If, if I'm, I'm relearning things from our own book, I thought, I, I, I hope that's hopeful for people that there's some stuff that I think any of us can implement. So, so, and I, this is the first time I've met you. So it's hello. Oh. <laughs> and so, and Matthew, I think I just heard, did, did I hear you say that you were a betrayer? Did I, did I hear? So are you in, are you in recovery for yeah. sex addiction? Yeah, I've been in recovery for 10 years. August 1st, 2013 is my sobriety date. And it's also our discovery date. And mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, we, I never wanted to write about this journey. Um, I can remember when <laughs> we were, when we were, when we were getting out of the kind of the, the woods telling Joanna, like, we're not going to be those people. We're not going to be the people that go tell our story and that teach <laughs> and talk about this. And, um, I'm sadly mistaken in that. Um, but, but I think we've, we have found as we continue to do more of the work, we did, we wanted to talk about it, right? We wanted to share. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, and partly because when we were, when we were starting our journey, there was less resources for couples. Mm -hmm. Um, there was just starting to be, I think a kind of unfolding for partner resources were starting to but come still out. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot at all. And, well, and so, go ahead, Matthew, go ahead. Yeah. And so I think that was part of our heart was just saying like, we want to continue to expand the voice of what this looks like mm -hmm. for all different types of recovery. Cause we know there's going to be recovery where couples stay together. There's going to be where couples recovery where they don't, mm -hmm. right. There's going to recovery that takes two years, 10 mm -hmm. years, right. It's all a different process. Yeah. We want to just continue to kind of give voice to yeah. the journey. And I think our, our hope is that our story could bring hope to other people. And as soon as we heard, you know, kind of formulated the structure of the intimacy pyramid. We're like, oh, and now there's a roadmap for people. <laughs> Which well, was Amanda, you are one of the most happiest <laughs> partners I have ever seen or heard. I, you know, so if you, if you're following your own advice, I, you know, so it's, it's quite, I mean, it, it, it brings me joy to see how happy you are and how connected you seem and and you seem like you have uh, recovered from betrayal trauma quite yeah. frankly. It was, you know, when <laughs> when discovery happened and and everything was shattering and falling down around us, I, <laughs> we, we did not have a lot of relational tools at the time. So we didn't re really talk about it, but I think we were on the same page of if we're going to go through this and we're going to do this hard work, it better be for something so incredible that it's worth all of this. Right. And so I don't just want what I thought we had. I, I expect something way better. <laughs> and so we continued fighting and searching and, and getting the resources we needed to help support that journey. Right. We, we did not give up. We did not quit. Uh, and I, and our hope was to make that easier for couples in the future that we could work with, right? <laughs> kind of giving them the roadmap, giving them the resources going, it, there is hope and it's going to be a little easier on you than it was on us um, because of the work we're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Well, I, I, I certainly appreciate the, all the pain you went through 
And then the, the healing around that now is going to benefit, you know, hundreds or thousands of people. So mm -hmm. fantastic. I'm curious. So what are, and actually this is for any of you, what are some common roadblocks that you run into with couples that are trying to sort of heal from betrayal or just sort of like build intimacy in their relationship? And how do you address those roadblocks in, in this model? Yeah. I can maybe start, I think, because we get, we've started to see more and more of these couples. Um, one of the places we're seeing couples get stuck is kind of in like second level recovery. They're, there, there are a lot of really good resources for that kind of early safety stabilization phase and that like kind of, okay, how do we, how do we stop the addiction? How do we address this, this betrayal trauma, right? And the triggers for the partner, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think full disclosure work that, that Dan and Janice have done have really helped in that. And, you know, the work that CSATs and ABSAT, you know, coaches and clinicians are doing to really stabilize each person in the relationship is, has been really helpful. What we found though, is that rebuilding trust work, that kind of restoration phase of, of that journey is really tough. And, and it's tough because there's significant change in that, you know, there's usually some significant change in the addict and the betrayer, but there's enough pieces of kind of that old self sometimes lingering around mm -hmm. that are not, it's not addiction, but it's still kind of tied into it. And, yeah. and like I said, kind of like I, I mentioned, I, I was trained for years, you know, with my own actions and with the lessons that I got to kind of stay hidden, to not talk about things, right. To avoid conflict. And so even though I wasn't acting out, I was sober, I was still avoiding conversations with Joanna, right. I was, I was avoiding the pain she was in, right. I didn't, I didn't want to talk about what had happened to her, right. I didn't want to necessarily hear those stories because I didn't know how to regulate my own emotions, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to kind of deal with some of those things with me. And so we were, we knew we were kind of out of the woods, but we weren't where we wanted to be. And so that, that rebuilding trust is such a, a such a tough space, mm -hmm. right? For couples um, and, and really getting to that place where we feel like partners again. And so a lot of the work that we do is in helping couples figure out, okay, what, relational pieces that aren't maybe kind of addiction betrayal you know kind of pieces are still keeping you from yeah. that partnership that you're wanting right that you're really working for yeah and one of the things that comes up a lot like Matthew's saying sometimes we'll get a lot of these kind of second level recovery couples they've done a lot of work already then they're they're coming to us a lot of times because they have heard us talk about our relationship and they go wait that's what we wanted <laughs> but we don't have that yet so so okay help us understand where we're getting stuck and another really common area is in that safety stage um around regulation right so a lot of times the the really destructive kind of addictive behaviors have stopped um, but there's not this kind of self-awareness and ability to self-regulate. And so I'll, I'll work with a partner and they'll go, I don't feel safe, but I'm not totally sure why they've been sober so, for so many years. There's a lot of growth, right? But what she might be picking up on is a lot of anxiety around work from her partner, right? And, and her brain goes, well, I know before when you would get really anxious and stressed, you would go act out. And so now that is like the first red flag I see that goes, you're not safe. Um, and so yeah. 
we help them understand it's not just your ability to get sober, right? It's your ability to be self-aware and demonstrate that you can reliably self-regulate and, and care for yourself in ways that guarantee you can make consistent, healthy, safe decisions for your relationship and for your family. And mm -hmm. so just helping them gain better awareness around where the areas they are struggling to manage their emotions still, and it's coming out in either subtle, subtly destructive ways or sometimes overt, right? Through shutting down, withdrawing, you know, feeling overwhelmed, maybe getting more angry, defensive, things like that. Um, learning to identify some of those cycles that are still breaking down the safety of the relationship. And those are the kinds of things that for some folks who don't have sex addiction or betrayal in their relationship, those things are still going on. Yeah. 100%. That <laughs> self-protection or I don't know how to cope and I'm stressed out with this or I'm fearful about that, but I don't know how to share it. And that gets kind of stuck between the couple. You've got yeah. the person, you've got the issue and you've got the person. And so again, this is why I like this book for all couples yeah. because it's really good, a, a self-analysis, where are our strengths and where are some of the things we need to improve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like exactly what you were saying, Joanna, you know, where is that safety piece? And for other folks, it may not translate to safety, but it may translate to this emotional safety of we're not in connection or what is going on here. Absolutely. Yeah. Dan, what's your favorite part of the book? What do you find most helpful or what are you most proud about having put in there? Well, probably the sections I wrote. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. Um, that's a good question. The sections Dan wrote are exceptionally really good. <laughs> you know, I I think the most I'm I'm most proud of the the things I like. I think I think the way we really tried to to define these things these are difficult. They're simple. So on the one hand, it's very simple. It's a very simple structure, but trying to define it, I think so. The definitions, um, the the kind of concrete examples we give. I'm I'm just I, I the the way. Well, this is this is you guys the alliteration for things so you can remember the the levels of the pyramid. Um, I I just think it's I'm 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 proud that it's it's simple and I don't think we 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 didn't overcomplicate it either. I think so. I think that's something that's digestible and it's practical. So I'm most I'm most excited about that. I think it's relatable and and any of us I think could benefit whether you're in a relationship or not. I mean, if you're single too, I think you can. Great. Let's let's learn some tools so that if you do want to be in a relationship in the future, should build it in a in a healthier way to start, so that hopefully we don't end up with some of our clients, you know, that have ended up with secrecy and lies and betrayal. So, yeah. Is there one particular level of this intimacy pyramid that tends to trip people up or is it very much dependent upon the the, the people or the couple? Well, I was going to say for me, you know, a, a barrier I see is sort of is later on. I think vulnerability is another a section that's for many of my couples, you know, some people struggle early, but there's a big struggle I have, especially with, with you know, couples dealing with betrayal, that vulnerability, it, it's almost like couples do some good work and they may have been on the, on the road, on the journey for a while, but there's just, there's just the, like walls have been built up. Um, they're, they're protective walls that needed to be there, especially on the partner side, they, they needed to be there for, for safety and for protection. The problem though, there's, there's like almost no, some couples like they, they don't, 
they, they don't get those walls taken down. So then it's really hard to, to build more intimacy. So they, they live, sometimes live as glorified roommates or they, they have a companionship and, but there's, there's just not that the rebuilding of something, something more. So I think doing that grief work and helping, helping the couples journey through grief together and then, you know, rebuild from there. I think it's, is really difficult and painful and scary. But when I see those couples do that work, it's really beautiful to, to watch them and, you know, guide them through it. In our, I, I see people stuck there. In our culture, we really struggle with that. I mean, it's very common that as individuals, if we are vulnerable, we see that as a sign of weakness. And yet when we see that vulnerability in other people, we see it as such a, uh, such a huge act of courage. So in your book, when you're talking about this and when you're working with couples, how do you help them get over their fear of vulnerability or their resistance to vulnerability? What's the answer? <laughs> yes. Well, just on that note. So I, I was the one that started the, the, I started writing the vulnerability chapter and I was like, let me just, you know, look at Miriam Webster, the definition of vulnerability. And there were two, but the number one that I'm going to remember, it's, it's something like, susceptibility to attack is vulnerable <laughs> that when you look up the definition of vulnerability and I'm like, oh, that doesn't yes. sound too good, but, yes. but I think in a lot of ways, that is what true intimacy is. I, I think I might've even said it in there, you know, nobody can hurt me as much as my, my wife can, my partner can, because she knows, she knows the good, the bad, the ugly. I've, I've, I've been vulnerable. I've opened up. She, she knows all of me. And, and yet the beauty is she chooses not to harm me with, you know, I'm susceptible to attack on some level, but there's a foundation of, you know, all the the, the other pieces built. So we, we have that kind of a relationship where she doesn't attack me with with that. And we actually can use use that. I know the same things for her. So, I mean, what's the answer? I think you susceptibility to attack without the, the bottom pieces of the pyramid is really bad. It's really scary. So I think there's not one answer, but I, I really think you there's a reason why there's three levels below vulnerability. We don't just start with vulnerability. We start with really building, you know, honesty, safety, trust first. One of the things um, we'll sometimes talk about is in a betrayal couple, the dynamic has been for so many years, one person showing up oftentimes being vulnerable, not realizing that vulnerability is not being met by their spouse because of the lies, because of the deception, right? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes out, that vulnerability feels um, almost foolish <laughs> to, to put back in again, right? And so one of the things we'll sometimes do with couples kind of practically is say, there's a, an expectation on the betraying spouse to lead the way in the vulnerability of the couple to demonstrate that they are finally ready and willing to put that into the relationship, right? That's a really important part of establishing that safety for that other spouse to then make the empowered choice to step back in in that way. Mm -hmm. But that oftentimes is helpful. And <laughs> there's a challenge there though, right? Because one of the spouses is really good at vulnerability or knows how to do that. And the other spouse usually has zero skills in that. And so there is a period of that. For those that of you who can't see, Matthew spouse. just raised his hand. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a period. Sometimes I have to work with partners going, you need to let go and step back. I know it's really hard for you to, and you don't want to, but you have to make space for your spouse to learn how to do vulnerability. And we oftentimes encourage them to be parts of groups where they can practice it, right? So they're not just trying to do it with that person that they harmed, right? They are working in other places to gain this skill of vulnerability so they can start 
putting in nurturing the relationship in that way. And this is where I think the individual recovery comes in because I, you know, part of my journey was to join a 12 step program, right? I went to SA and, and I was a part of that sex, you know, sexaholics um, anonymous group. And, and I was able to, you know, part of the first step is to just be honest that I have a problem, right? That I have, a, that I have this, this habituation to do this thing over and over and over. And I've not been able to stop that. Right. So that place of individual honesty and being vulnerable with those people in my group, right. Helped me to learn how to then be vulnerable in a relationship where there was a lot on the line. And part of that vulnerability was accepting that part of my role in this relationship had been to betray, right? I think a lot of betraying spouses want that kind of extinguished from the record, right? I wanna live in a relationship where that didn't happen Mm -hmm. rather than being at peace, knowing that that is what happened. It's just not all of my story. It's not Mm -hmm. all of our story. And so kind of that vulnerability of stepping into the relationship saying, I know what I've done. I know the impact that it's caused. And I also know there's more to the story than that. Right. And so I'm leaning in with you. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning in, in the process in which we grieve what happened to us. Right. We grieve the things that took place so that we get to live a different future. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think those, those individual journeys still matter. Right. And that's where we use a lot of those pieces and resources to come in later to say, okay, I know what it's like to risk, but to risk in safe community, if we've built this the right way, if we've built those those bottom levels of honesty, safety, and trust, then I can feel more confident, right, being vulnerable in this space too. This is reminding me of a different episode we did about what is good recovery and Mm. and such. And and there's that power of group where, because if group is a place that you can perhaps practice that Mm -hmm. vulnerability watch other people practice that vulnerability and then take the skill over to your relationship yeah right because that's that's where your life sustaining relationship the one that you are trying to heal and repair is to take those skills over there but group is a really safe place whether group therapy or community or 12-step to Mm -hmm. practice and to watch other people practice because we learn so much when we're watching someone else try it, <laughs> right? And there's a little self-protection in that, but group also requires stepping into that scary space and also doing your check-in and your own share mm-hmm. and then take those skills back to the relationship and initiate One- those conversations with the betrayed partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say just for the, uh, a, a comment for the betrayed partner, for anyone listening, um, Sometimes I've I've seen some of my my clients think vulnerability is binary, like it's either I have it's all all or nothing, and I don't think it necessarily is. So sometimes I'll I'll put it on a continuum, like let's from zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'll have people kind of assess what's my safety level in the relationship. You know, if I'm if I could put a number from zero to a hundred or trust level, usually I'm actually usually surprised. They usually say higher than I think they will. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just say, you know. If it's not zero, is there one step I could take? What, you know, given my level of safety or trust in the relationship, what's, what's like, if it's 30, okay, I'm not going to be all, I'm not going to be all open because it's not fully safe yet, but is there something I could do that would, that would kind of meet that safety level or trust level? And I think that that opens up a little bit of a possibility for vulnerability versus it's either, you know, impenetrable walls or I'm completely open. And I don't think it has to be that. 
especially mm-hmm. to start because we we can we can take a step forward. You know, I, I open up a little bit with maybe not something that's so exposing, but but you know, anyway, you get the idea. So I think I think that's helped some of my couples think it's not just all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was going to plug the book and say, and if you go to the book, it says what is vulnerability. And then the next chapter is, and how do you build vulnerability? Which is really great for a lot of people because these concepts are like, I didn't grow up learning about vulnerability. I I don't know what you're talking about, but here's a book that can really break it down and the nuances of it, explain it, and then give you some ideas of ways to improve that in your relationship. So go buy the book. What's something, what's one more thing that you guys, um, I want to come back to Tim's question, a piece that you're proud of or really passionate of. Is there something that, that really in particular for each of you, Joanna, Matthew? Um, I think I'm proud of honestly, the work that we got to do together. Um, you know, it was a little daunting to try to write a book with three people. Um, you know, obviously Joanna and and I, and our story, you're plus one. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you said it not us Um, you know and so and we had we even debated about like how what's the best way to do this how do we how do we try to write a cohesive you know narrative and story but also bring in different perspectives and I think that it was fun to do that because that's part of relationship relationship isn't about this kind of mono Mm -hmm. you know kind of mono perspective that we both have to attain to right Mm -hmm. you know we we argued and we chewed and we we debated and in, in our conversations about like, what is this and how would we do this? And so the fact that it actually ended up as a, as a unified whole, um, the editors help with that, right? And kind of putting some <laughs> of those pieces together. But that was probably what I was most proud of, right? That it wasn't a single voice, that we actually got to bring in a collection of voices. Joanna's voice as a betrayed partner, right? Um, voices of, of of those who've who've betrayed a relationship, voices of professionals, you know, who've who've worked with clients and who've been in the room and tough spaces. I think that was really fun. And, yeah. and I think that that we were able to bring those pieces together is something yeah. I was really excited about. I think one thing I loved, you know, we we wanted to teach and be relatable. <laughs> and so trying to to marry those together was a bit of a challenge. And and we, you know, went back and forth for a while trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. You know, we read a lot of books and people talk about their client stories, right? And are more kind of clinical sometimes. And and we really wanted it to be very personable, but we also wanted it to have good content where people were were actually learning concepts and things like that. And so um, working to kind of find that balance and have a book that resonates with people, um, at least based on the feedback, it feels like we were able to do that. And so that's been really exciting and fun. Yeah. That's a good point. I forgot we had I, we had initially, um, you know, kind of created a model couples that we were going to walk through this with, and yeah. that was, uh, to be honest, that would that would have been easier for me to do that versus sharing personal stories. We could have you know walked through these made up couples, but we felt like at some point, I don't know, we abandoned that at some point and just decided, you know, we're gonna we're gonna just share personal stories, and we added more. I think we started with a couple, and we just we kept adding more. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for putting the book together. It's it's so amazing. It's such a wonderful resource for couples out there. And I love the framework. I'm sure so many people are going to find it helpful. So for all of you listening out there, Dan heads up Banyan Therapy Group down in uh, 
Los Angeles Studio City, technically, I think. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for him, you can find him at uh, banyantherapy.com. And uh, the Rabsmiths are working online with couples and helping them to find what they have. And uh, you can find them at rabsmithteam.com. And again, Rabsmith is smelled with two A's. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. For those of you listening, please rate us, uh, review us, share us with your friends. And if you have questions or comments about this episode, other episodes, or other things in life, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, you can contact us at conversations.sar at gmail.com. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Thank you, Matthew and Joanna. Thanks, Thanks guys. So much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.